Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans. It is the first Monday back in the beautiful San Marcos, Texas. I hope everyone made smart decisions and made it home safe from their spring break plans. I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and today I'm joined by my producer, Kobe Jackson, and co-host Joey Gonzalez and David Castaneda. We have a jam-packed show for you today here on the 20th of March that is filled with plenty of Bobcat sports. But first, over to Joey for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast to Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. All right. Thank you, Joey. Now, before we get started, I have to, have to, have to start the show off by wishing my amazing mother a happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Mom. I know you're listening. I just want to say thank you for everything you do, and I love you so much. Uh, but now let's get the show started with some Texas State baseball. It's been 10 days since the last episode of Bobcat Radio, and in that span, Texas State baseball has played seven games, and they won six of those. And so now we ended last episode saying that the Bobcats really needed to be able to bounce back against the North, Do- North Dakota State Bison because... I mean, that was a team that, that had not performed that well that se- up until that point in the season, and Texas State was coming off a really tough and disappointing loss against the UTSA Roadrunners where they lost 2-11. to 11. And so the the Bison, their record coming into that game was 1-11. and So, and then bounce back was exactly what the Bobcats were able to do with that series. I mean, there were def- definitely a couple nail-biters in there, but, I mean, in the first game, Texas State was able to win 8-7 to seven after winning – I hit four home runs in the bottom of the eighth to take the lead in that game. And then in the second game of that series, guys, 14 home runs between both teams, 37 total runs. I mean, Texas State was able to win that game 19-18 to after a two-run walk-off homer from junior catcher August Ramirez. I mean, like we've been saying, Slam Marcus is back, full effect. So what do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about that game, the first series that the Bobcats played in? Yeah, we talked about having a bounce back, and they sure enough did that. I had a chance to work all three of these games alongside Kyle Owen, and I mean, these games were a lot of fun. Orlando, you talked about game one, that massive comeback that the Bobcats had, and then Texas State, Chase Morris set the program record with four home runs by a freshman. The The most home runs in a game previously was three home runs in a game, so Chase Morris shattered the record. That game was three hours and 53 minutes. It was just myself on the call for that one. It was a long game, but there was there was a lot of action throughout the game. It wasn't boring, for sure. You talked about all the home runs. So the Bobcats got back in their hitting ways, and it looks like they've they've been on track ever since then. Yeah, and that was actually report. I actually reported one of those games the Friday night, the Friday night one where uh, Gonzalez. I mean, that first ball, that game, the bottom of the eighth inning was surreal because you know Kyle Kyle Owen was on the call, and I was literally right next, like right next to the booth, and I was just in disbelief. Like, are you serious? Like, the minute Gonzalez hit the home run, I'm like, okay, they still have a chance. But then I thought maybe they're gonna maybe try to you know manufacture some runs, and sure enough, they did, but off of homer. So I was like, home run. Home run, home run, and then I believe one of them struck out, and then obviously Leary and obviously Leary hit that last homer to officially uh, put them up. But I mean, 
this team, this team is really healthy. I'm glad they finally, you know, bounced back after tough losses against UTSA, especially that North, especially against North Dakota State. I know Joey, you had probably the best time of your life calling that that shootout. That's a football score right there, if you really, if you really look at it. But I mean, other than that, amazing job by the Bobcats and what they did in rebounding against uh, North Dakota State. Yeah, they did have to rebound after that loss to UTSA, but. That is exactly what they did. They knew that they were going to go into this North Dakota State um, series and have to face number 11-ranked TCU, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But what they needed was their biggest part of their game to come alive, and that's their offense, and more specifically, the long ball. And that's exactly what they did. In all three games of that series, they tallied up more than five runs um, in a game. And it's it's just, it's just crazy to see, you know, these uh, – this offense come alive like that and in, in in what is an important time of their season, um, you know, to be on top of their conference. Although they're not playing conference games right now, but Yeah, David, you mentioned the long ball really got to working and Joey, you mentioned Chase Moore and after that second game of that series, up until that point of the, in the season, all seven of Chase Moore's hits were home runs. I mean, that's just unheard of, guys. And so moving the, moving on after that second game, they were able to finish the series off with a much more one-sided 5-1 to win. So, I mean, they were able to, like we said, bounce back against North Dakota State. And then, David, like you said, they had TCU coming up, who was ranked number 11 going into that series. And they were able to win that game 8-4. to And so that was the the fourth win over a power five school this season for the Bobcats, as well as just a solid confidence booster because with the TCU being ranked number 11 and Texas State being ranked unranked, they were the underdog coming into this game. So how do you feel about this one from Texas State? Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Over 2,400 people were in attendance at Bobcat Ballpark. There's a lot of energy inside the ballpark. Uh, five runs were scored in the bottom of the third inning from Texas State. They scored one in the four or two in the fourth, one in the fifth. So you had a combined, you had all eight of your runs come in just three innings. I mean, this is a Bobcat team who once again they showed they could put things together. Tony Roby looked impressive as well. Jack Strout has been a player that I've really enjoyed watching on the mound for this Bobcat team, and it's it finally seems like everything's coming together at the right part of the year as Sunbelt Conference plays just getting ready and getting underway. Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, them playing ranked teams because I know, you know, last year when they started playing ranked teams, they played Arizona, start, uh, Arizona, who was number 11th last year, but now this year it's it's TCU. So, I mean, I guess you could say this is kind of a bit of a test for these guys, for especially for them playing ranked teams because I know they haven't been playing teams that, you know, either hasn't been ranked or is, you know, really popular, but ha- the record kind of hasn't shown it. But, I mean, a really, I mean, during the week, it's it's we've talked about how consistent they need to be during the week when they have uh, weekday games with uh, whether it's on Tuesday or Wednesday and they I mean these guys really really just proved it and obviously like you said Jose Gonzalez and Chase Mora doing absolutely outstanding this season so far and especially in this game uh considering of you know what the score was but I mean that's a that's a big win for the Bobcats and hopefully you know it, it can boost their confidence uh you know heading into conference play yeah I mean we've seen this Bobcat team step up uh in the most important times this season you know when you look at the game versus tcu being ranked number 11 and then the season opener versus northwestern where you know they were able to take on a and sweep a school that was believed to be way better than them and yeah i mean you just got to look at primarily jose gonzalez i've said it before on bcr i think this is one of the best players in the country 
Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he could make some noise in the MLB, but he's done exactly what's been required from him um, to this point of the season. And that's, you know, that's get on base and bring in runs. Definitely. And so now, finally, the Bobcats then hosted the 25th ranked Southern Mississippi Golden State. I mean, not Golden State, Golden Eagles, who are new to the Sunbelt Conference. The Bobcats dropped the first game two to four, but then they were able to rally and win the next two games three to two and eight to five, winning the series overall two to one. How do you feel about the Bobcats holding their own against these teams that are nationally ranked? Well, they dropped back-to-back teams that were ranked. Two, both of these teams, both TCU and Southern Miss, dropped out of the top 25 after losing games against Texas State. This is a team I just said it a moment ago. They're starting to get on track. Uh, Friday's game, you lost 4-2, to two, only four hits, but then you come back eight runs on Sunday. I mean, they got things going really early in Sunday's ball game and then able to win those tight games 3-2 to two on Saturday. Texas State looking really good, and then they'll have Corpus Christi coming up here this week. So lots of uh, benefits coming out of spring break. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I actually watched that that Sunday game on kind of on my way back uh, back here to San Marcos. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was shaking because, you know, I wasn't too sure how they were going to react after they I mean, even though they won, but they won only by one run on Saturday. So I was really looking forward to see how they would respond on that and on yesterday's game. And they responded really, really well. And honestly, you know, we talked about how consistent they need to be and Honestly, they did an amazing job. I know only one loss in the series, but I'm, I know people want the sweep. But if you get two out of the three, I mean, if for for Coach Trout, I think you can say that's a that's a good weekend, especially you know opening up your conference play. So I mean, so far, I mean, a great week for the Bobcats overall. Uh, you know, obviously spring. I know spring break kind of had you know something to do with that, but I think Coach Trout said, hey, even though we're you know taking a break from classes, we got to be focused on on the field, and, and obviously it it showed it. Yeah, I think it's a huge plus, Kobe, like you mentioned, to steal that series win. There's really a lot of positives to that one. You know, that's against what was a ranked team. Um, and and two, that's conference play. That's their first, you know, that's their first uh, time playing in the conference to this point of the season. And, I mean, if you look at the series as a whole, the Bobcats, the Bobcats were on and they were looking like themselves. Um, this last game, Chase Mora, three for four with four RBIs. In the beginning of the season, we saw Trout play him as more of, you know, uh, you know, a utility guy and kind of go in there and get some hits in, in these games that weren't really important. Um, but now we're seeing him go in there and play second as a real, like, starter player. And this kid's looking more and more like the real deal. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to be excited to see what he can do uh, tomorrow against uh, Corpus Christi. Yeah, David and Joey, like y'all mentioned, the Bobcats will be hosting the Texas A&M Corpus Christi Islanders tomorrow at 6 p.m. as they try to, they look to increase their win streak. But we're going to take a moment for a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Texas State softball team, the March Madness Tournament, as well as some of the the NFL free agency moves that have just been going on. So don't touch that dial. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. All right, welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and in the studio with me today, I have my producer, Kobe Jackson, and my co-host, Joey Gonzalez and David Castaneda. Like I said before the break, let's get right into the Texas State softball team who played nine games during our our hiatus. Now, I got to say that this has been a very confusing stretch for the girls because in that span, they were only able to win two of the nine games, 
But those wins came against the toughest opponents. The Bobcats were able to beat the number nine ranked Alabama Crimson Tide and then the number 10 ranked Texas Longhorns. But then they lost games to Wisconsin twice, Texas Tech, and then the conference opponent Troy. So what are y'all thoughts about the Bobcats play during spring break? I mean, I thought they, I mean, going, just going off of the Bevo Classic, I think, you know, two and two is not bad, but I think what really showed a lot was the fact that they beat two top, you know, top ranked teams, especially big, big schools in Alabama and Texas. So, I mean, I guess you could say that's, you know, a big win for, uh, for the Bobcats, but just going off of the, the Texas Tech series and then the Troy series, I mean, I mean, I think there was a lot of, I could say there was a lot of inconsistencies with this team because I think they highly thought about them beating Texas that they got maybe so overwhelmed to the point where they started to struggle a little bit, especially against another big time Big 12 team in Texas Tech, who I know has been kind of up and down and stuff on their seasons somewhat. But I mean, you know, going out, plus it was a doubleheader as well because they both played twice. Uh, in the same day so I mean I bet you they're just probably telling themselves like hey we got to you know be better especially after taking you know the loss and then a tie in against Troy which honestly I didn't think was even possible in softball to have a to have a tie on your record but I mean they just gotta they just really need to bounce back um, from this game from this weekend this past week and try to rebound and get to another conference drive uh, another rival in UTSA yeah yeah I agree Kobe um and I think you you mentioned it, the maybe getting a little bit overwhelmed. They also got that number next to their name, you know, being in the rankings after beating UT, I believe it was. And then a four game loss, uh, or four four losses in a row, you know, ended by a tie against Troy. So, I mean, I don't really I don't really know what you do from here. You obviously try to turn it around, but um, you know, all these losses have been pretty narrow losses 3-4 to uh Texas Tech 2-3 to Texas Tech and the first game was 6-7 to Troy so it's more about making the big plays when they count you know making the right pitches when they count and getting people on base when it counts so I don't necessarily think that you know they have totally lost it but uh definitely need to turn it around here against uh UTSA yeah, great point. I think that this Bobcat team is, they're right there. I know a four-game losing streak is frustrating, but all these games have been really tight. We look at the Texas Tech series. They gave up a run in the fifth. I mean, they was tied up to that point. They were leading until the sixth inning and then um, against Texas Tech, and then they gave up three runs in the sixth inning. So this is a Bobcat team who has played tight in all these games. It's just the last second that these teams are getting away from them. Kobe, you reference to double headers i know that can take a toll on you you had a double header on tuesday double header this weekend especially to open up conference play i know that's difficult and so they get today off they get tomorrow off and then they'll go down 35 to take on utsa but i just think uh, a little bit of a regroup uh, david you made a good point of they're really close and you just need to find a way to get back in the win column yeah, I mean, like all like all of you have said, the the Bobcats they have UTSA coming up, so they're they're gonna travel down to San Antonio to play the Roadrunners on Wednesday at six p.m. Uh, so and and we'll be hoping that like like we said that they can kind of bounce back and kind of find themselves again. So now we're gonna stay in the NCAA, but we're gonna switch sports and move out of San Marcos and go on to the March Madness tournament that's currently going on and. 
as usual, there's definitely been a lot of upsets. And I know, like, in that first round, my dad is the only person I know who predicted that the 13th-ranked Furman would upset the number four seed of Virginia. So <laughs> what about you guys? Did y'all predict any of those upsets that have happened so far? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I never, I didn't pick an I really honestly didn't pick an upset uh, during, uh, at least during the first round, at least. Um, but, I mean, I'm surprised that it happened so cool and so early because I'm not gonna lie to you. I, my bracket was busted the first the first game of the whole tournament, which was West Virginia Maryland, and it was cl- I mean it was close. It was a close game, but you know unfortunately West Virginia couldn't couldn't hang on. But I think my bracket would have been busted anyway if you know the more and you know, the more games were coming. But I mean my winner is still in because I still have you know U of H. I still have U of H winning the whole winning the whole tournament still. So my my prediction per se for the whole tournament is still in, but I mean, a lot of crazy, just crazy upsets during, during this tournament. I mean, what can you say? But that's the beauty of college basketball. Cause it's the unpredictability. You know, we've saw, I know we saw a lot of upsets uh, last year, you know, last year in the tournament. And I know we saw it. Kind of, well, yeah. Last year. And honestly, I mean, it's looking up, it's looking like it could be the same look, uh, the same thing like we saw last year, possibly. Yeah, college basketball is looking a lot of fun right now. Another interesting thing is um, due to NIL, the the disparity of um, there's a lot of competitiveness across uh, Division One basketball. There's a lot of conferences being represented right now. You got the West Coast Conference in Gonzaga. You got the Big East in Xavier. You got the Big Twelve, one of the best basketball conferences you can argue. So there's a lot of there's a lot of good basketball right now. We talk about Princeton, a number fifteen team, fifteen seed who's still in. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And my team is still in as well. I picked UConn in one of three brackets that I made. My other brackets had Alabama and Houston. So all three of my teams are in in all my brackets. So, But my my official bracket is UConn, and they're still currently in it. So we'll see what happens over there. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy, uh, crazy tournament, to say the least, you know. And, um, I mean, I had Purdue going the whole way, and they didn't make it past the first round, so that's pretty <laughs> upsetting. I did have them beating U of H, though. <clears throat> so, you know, U of H is still in it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at these games, you could. I'm not really upset. No way, nobody could have predicted this, as you said, Joey. Princeton still in it against Creighton, who beat number three uh, Baylor. Um, Alabama somehow still in it. I thought they were gonna choke for sure. You know, the only way I'd still be watching this, honestly, is if uh, the Sun Belt representative was Texas State, which unfortunately it's not. So, and re- and real quick, Joey, you're the only one that put uh, you. That picked uh, Farland Dickinson, right in your bra- in your bracket, right? That to beat Purdue in, uh, the, in the tournament. With all my brackets, I don't even know which ones. I did pick Furman though. Okay, which, there you go. Okay, I, I stayed up till like one a.m. doing this. Like I woke up the next morning dead tired, <laughs> but it's because on the the March Madness Live app, mm-hmm. you can look at like all the advanced stats. And one of the most um, important stats to me was rebounding. And offensive rebounding, second chance points, and um, opponent opponent points per game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those are all defensive stats. And I think whenever I was looking at that, Furman had the better defensive stats than Virginia, and that's how I picked the upsets. So next year, you need to look at the defensive stats <laughs> no, if you want to pick are, these upsets. Those are very calculated <laughs> choices because I mean, like some of these upsets are just like 
you just never can be like you said, David, the Farley Dixon Knights beating Purdue first round. No yeah. one I promise that's probably the first time a lot of people have heard of the Farley Dixon mm-hmm. Knights. So I mean I mean that's just like you said, Kobe, the beauty of college basketball and it's just so it's so unpredictable and I, I personally have Houston going to the final um and beating Alabama. I think it'll be the two number one seeds to make it. Um Houston plays really good defense. And so I feel like defense wins championships, like you were saying. Looking at those defensive stats, Houston's a really good defensive team. So that's my pick for the for the national championship winner. And now we're going to zoom all the way out to some of the NFL free agency. And now that it's officially begun, I mean, as the resident Cowboys fan on the team, on the KTSW team, Oh, shout out to Miles as well. But I have to I have to start us off with uh, the Cowboys releasing two-time All-Pro running back Ezekiel Elliott. And, I mean, I got to say that definitely hurts. Zeke has been there for a really long time. He's been there since 2016. He was a rookie. He's one of the top backs in the league for a lot of it. But, I mean, I can honestly say it was time, so it, it dirts. But I this one, only thing I can say now is thank you, Zeke. But as well as the Cowboys also <laughs> traded – a fifth-round pick to the Colts for cornerback Stephon Gilmore and a fifth-round pick to the Houston Texans for wide receiver Brandon Cooks. And last year, a wide receiver opposite of um, CeeDee Lamb and a cornerback opposite of Trayvon Diggs were, like, the biggest holes in the team. So how do you guys – like, what do you guys think those trades will do for the team? Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100%, Orlando, and I'm pretty sure I said that in one of the – One of the podcasts was, you know, receivers and cornerbacks were the biggest holes in the Dallas um, starting lineup. I mean, besides, you know, unfortunately for the Cowboys, their wide receivers suffered a lot of injuries throughout the season, you know, so it wasn't really their fault. But I agree. I mean, besides CeeDee Lamb, who was Dak Prescott supposed to throw to besides the other team, you know? <laughs> um, so now he has Brandon Cooks, who did who did a lot as a Texans fan. I can say that, you know, he makes big plays, and he can play anywhere, you know, wide or the slot receiver. So this is the, this is a good guy to have on your team, especially with an experienced quarterback like Dak. Stephon Gilmore, you know, obviously not talked about the most since, you know, when he played on the, on the Bills and even the Patriots. But this guy's still one of the best cornerbacks in the league, in my opinion. And when you're in a division with the Eagles and the, um, sorry, the Giants, Giants. <laughs> yeah, you need, you need, uh, you need a big cornerback to make plays. You got Gilmore. I mean, this defense was already really good last year, and you're just adding to it now. It's just that offense needed to come together. Orlando, I'm glad that you recognize that it was time to move on from Zeke. Definitely. But I mean, it, it's gonna give it's gonna give Tony Pollard some extra chances. I'm just curious to see what they do at the goal line because so often they would give the ball to Zeke and now who's going to be that guy? Are they going to have to draft another running back? Are they going to pick somebody up in free agency? That's my only question about the Dallas offense right now. But I mean, other than that, I mean, their defense looks really good. And if their offense can step up a little bit more, maybe as Orlando, you always say, this is their year. (laughs) Uh, Well, I bet you miles probably says that says that also, but I mean, free, this is why sometimes free agency is kind of a hit or miss for me because there's always the unpredictability of players wanting to sign with a team that maybe could have possibilities of making to the playoffs or couldn't. But I mean, I mean, first of all, releasing Zeke honestly will help y'all offensively. I personally believe because you know I've talked about on this on Bobcat Radio and Calls to the Wall before that you know 
the age of, you know, big power running backs has kind of faded out. I know probably there's only one left, and that's probably Derrick Henry out of everybody else. But, I mean, you know, you, you know, guys who are built like, you know, Tony Pollard or like Saquon Barkley are now trying to transcend and into the running path position in the NFL. So, I mean, you could say that, you know, that has a factor, but, you know, I'm happy for, I mean, I'm, I mean, Zeke did an amazing job in Dallas and, you know, been there obviously since he was drafted and, you know, obviously a really awesome addition to this Cowboy offense, but I you know lately he hasn't really shown it. And I'm really interested in see what Tony Pollard can do. I know, you know, we talked about him and, you know, them franchise tagging him as well and stuff just to see how he does after, you know, recovering from his injury. So, I mean, kudos to Dallas, but I mean, Dallas defense honestly just got probably t- like 10 times better adding yeah. Stephon Gilmore. And to me, honestly, I think Dallas probably will have maybe possibly the number one defense in the league this coming year, possibly. And, you know, we'll see. Cause you know, obviously I'm not, a, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan at all, but when I see, you know, good defense and when I see good stats, I mean, you have to, you can't, you can't argue, you can't argue with that. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, bias aside that we have one of the, with the addition of Stephon Gilmore, that we have one of the best secondaries in the league. But as well, the Dolphins also made a humongous trade for their secondary. They now have Jalen Ramsey on their team. So that secondary is amazing as well. And then the Philadelphia Eagles were able to keep James Bradbury and Darius Slay. So big play, Slay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams around the league that have that defense that have some pretty good defense. So it's going to be a pretty good year. But uh, kind of looking over out to the offensive side, Joey. I know you're a Chargers fan. I know you guys signed our offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. How do you feel about that? Everybody's everybody's over there hating on him, but I mean, the Chargers offense. There's they never play four quarters of football. They have a good first quarter. They'll have a good second quarter, or they won't have a good first half. They'll come out in the third quarter. So hopefully he comes in here and brings the Chargers consistent offense. Another interesting thing is Austin Eckler is um, requesting to talk to other teams, and he's a guy who it seems like ooh. it's real difficult to take down. Yeah, I hear the ooh. <laughs> I mean, I feel like... He was going to be a, a charger for a good amount of time. And now, I mean, I know Justin Herbert loved getting him the ball. So that would be interesting to see if the Chargers were to lose him. Uh, that was that was the interesting uh, free agency for me over the week. Uh, for me, you know, real quick as we're wrapping it up, I'd want to say Orlando Brown going to the Bengals, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got a guy that's protecting, I think, one of the best left tackles in the league. You know, definitely the best left tackle that was available on the market this offseason. But now you got somebody to protect Joe Burrow. And, yeah, no. you know, we really haven't seen Joe Burrow protected to this point in his career. So that was definitely know. their biggest hole on yeah. offense. So Absolutely. That That's a big move for them. And. And Joey, like you said, I mean, you were talking about Austin Eckler, the utility that guy has. So if you guys are able to maintain him, I, I see your offense kind of being very similar to what the Cowboys offense was when we still had Amari Cooper. You guys have um, Mike Williams out there, Keenan Allen, as well as the guys who stepped up in their absence. Um, Zay Carter, I think his name is. There were so many guys. I mean, the yes. Chargers were obliterated for a couple yeah, weeks definitely yeah. so like Kellen Moore definitely has some especially if you can keep Austin Eckler Kellen Moore definitely has some pieces he can work with and I mean it's gonna be this season with all the moves that have been made it's gonna be a very like unpredictable season like it's no one especially looking at the NFC there's nobody that just kind of takes sets themselves apart from everyone the Eagles are be really good the Cowboys will be really good. I mean, some of the teams, this is going to be a very wide open NFL season, but 
I mean, that's this is gonna be all the time we have today, guys. But before we wrap things up today, we're gonna I'm gonna throw it over to Kobe for an update on the weather. So it is currently 49 degrees out this morning. So it's chilly, which is kind of weird because today is officially the first day of spring. So it is it was a low of 38 this morning, and it will be a high of 56 for the remainder of the day. And then tomorrow's forecast, we are gonna be back up into kind of normalcy weather. It's gonna be a high of 72 tomorrow with a low of 52, and it's gonna be cloudy pretty much most of today and tomorrow as well so just just today bring a jack bring a jacket and try to stay warm especially in cold classrooms because i've been in cold classrooms a lot over the years and let me just say they have not they have not been fun so make sure to bring a jacket and you guys stay warm I appreciate that, Kobe. So all right, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Be sure to keep up with everything San Marcus and Tech did by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at KTSW Sports. For Kobe Jackson, Joey Gonzalez, David Castaneda, I'm Orlando Smart. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in again same time on Wednesday and have a wonderful rest of your day. But for now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.